Hello and welcome to episode 2 of our Data Center podcast series, where we take a dive into the world of data centers, providing insight on the rapidly growing industry that we should all be aware of, as data centers become increasingly central to the way in which the world works. I'm Charlie Goodwin, an associate in the Simmons Insurance and Construction Group, and on this episode we're going to take a look at the fundamental characteristics of a functional data center. As data centers provide network and storage infrastructure, and the use of computing resources for organizations to house and protect their critical applications, data, IT operations and equipment, these facilities must achieve a set of essential capabilities to function correctly. Joining me in this episode to explain these fundamentals, with a focus on the significant power demand and the corresponding prerequisites to the operation of a data center, its fiber and connectivity requirements, and the importance of fire suppression in these facilities, are my colleagues from the Insurance and Construction Group at Simmons, Stephen Kay, Managing Associate, and Kian O'Hara, Supervising Associate. We shall also get the expert view of Dan Mace, Executive Vice President of Data Centres at Bouygues Energies and Services. Steve Kian, thanks very much for joining this episode of the podcast. Steve, we start with you. Can you just summarise uh, the fundamental characteristics of a functional and successful data centre operation? Yep, thanks Charlie. So, any functional data centre will need to have the following attributes strong and stable power, connectivity ability, fire suppression, physical and virtual security systems to prevent data breaches, efficiency in space and effective scalability and flexibility, equipment for IT operations processing and the storage of data, and operation staff and professionals to monitor operations and maintain IT and infrastructural equipment around the clock. Let's begin with the power characteristics of a data centre and the need for data centres to have strong power and connectivity available. I spoke with Dan Mace to get his expert view on why this is so important. So the need for for strong power, all all of our servers and all of our computing equipment runs on electricity. And obviously if we were to have a power outage and lose that electricity, these servers would shut down. And the function that they were doing to store your data, to do your internet payment, to do your internet banking would fail at that point and potential data and transactions would be lost. Now to give you an idea of of what we call a power outage, a power outage is any power outage over 20 milliseconds. So we're talking about a very binary moment in time where we could have a power fluctuation and potentially lose service. So to stop this becoming a problem, we engineer around this. And we do this by putting two power supplies to every server. We then have those power supplies backed up by what we call a UPS, which is an uninterrupted power supply. This is backed with batteries so that even in the event of a grid or mains failure, we still maintain that power to those racks. We then have an infrastructure of generators, which will then kick in whilst the UPS is backing the power supply, and then bring the data center up on a off-grid generated system. So in essence, in island mode, operating on its own. So Dan, just to summarize there, essentially the UPS is a set of batteries that runs for a very short period of time to allow the data center to maintain power whilst the backup power reaches the required operating building load. 
Yeah, that's correct. And, 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 and I always find it funny that we, we talk about these technical data centers, but actually our backup is based on what in essence is car batteries, which we size for the correct autonomy or runtime that we would want to see from that data center. And commonly what we'll see is that we can run the data center on batteries for 10 minutes. And the reason behind all of this is because our clients and obviously the need, as we explained earlier on with the power supply being so important, expect a high level of uptime within these facilities and the service that they provide for them. And Dan, can you just explain the term uptime you use there? Yeah, uptime is a measurement that we use of power availability to a client across a year. And normally what we would measure this in is what we call the five nines, which means that there is power availability 99.999% of the time. And just to give this to sort of, you know, something that's more measurable, what this actually means is in a 12 month period, there's only five minutes and 26 seconds in that year where we're not available with consistent uptime and available power. So just to sort of uh, give an overall view of, of this topic with, with uptime and, and power and availability, when our, our co-location uh, providers work with their clients, they are under serious penalties if they were to, to lose power or to lose cooling within these facilities, which would in turn create an outage for these clients. So it's obviously extremely important that the engineering is right, and it's extremely important that these facilities are tested and proven to have that availability and to meet the client's very demanding needs. So Steve, I suppose as important as power is fibre and connectivity, which data centres bring. Yeah, fibre is a key element to any data centre. It is essentially the link to the outside world that enables information to be uploaded or downloaded onto the servers located within the data centre. It also allows remote access to information stored on the servers without the need to download it. Now, with regards to fibre, the industry is booming, and that implies a high demand of not only power, but also around fibre access. In the UK, it's positive that the country benefits from readily available international fibre connectivity. To highlight the reliance on cables, it's estimated that there are around 1.5 million kilometres of undersea level cables around the globe. And it's no coincidence that data centre hubs tend to be located close to the point at which these subsea cables reach shore. So Dublin, for example, receives subsea cables from the US and it connects onwards to the UK and mainland Europe. And coupled with its relatively cold climate, which in turn reduces the cost of cooling the data centres, that's why you see Dublin as a hotspot for data centre activity. And Kian, do you anticipate any change to the world's reliance on fibre as a means of connectivity? Thanks, Charlie. Um, no, not in the short to medium term, I don't. Um, but that said, with the rollout of 5G, quicker downloads, greater efficiencies will require a new set of technologies. This demand will spur development of data centers, which, as we know, house the key infrastructure which enables cloud services to operate. One of these new sets, one of these new such technologies is edge computing. 
And this is a process that pushes applications, data and services away from centralized points to locations that are actually closer to the user. And this requires specialized, smaller data centers built closer to population centers. And what's driving that push? Well, essentially, it's been driven by end user experience. By putting computer power nearer to where the customers use the data, the users get a more responsive experience, delivering a clear advantage over the competition. The transition is in fact happening right now and fast. A recent IDC report predicts the edge computing market to reach over $250 billion by 2024. And a recent Gartner report expects a staggering three quarters of all internet data to go through the edge in 2025. That's very interesting. A slight pivot, Steve. Um, Given the nature of a data center and the contents of a data center and its propensity to heat up, how common are data center fires? Well, there is a sense that data center fires are a mercifully rare occurrence in the industry. A survey by the Data Center Incident Reporting Network found only 31 reports of data center fires in the last 18 years. Now, there is a question mark over whether that's accurate. And industry commentators suggest that, in fact, many more incidents have happened but have not been reported or, or included in that statistic. Now, when fires do occur, they cause significant disruption. And a recent example occurred in Ogden in Utah in the States, where an emergency generator caught fire at a data center, causing the full shutdown of the data center and lengthy outages for customers. So it's fairly obvious that effective fire suppression systems are a major part of any data center. Yep. These systems are so important. And to put it into context, last year there was another large-scale data center campus fire in Strasbourg at a facility owned by OVH Cloud. Now, the fire occurred in the early hours of Wednesday, the 10th of March of last year, 2021, with the firm's five-story SBG2 data center destroyed outright during the blaze. And another facility dubbed SBG1 suffered some damage. There were two other data centers on that particular campus which were just switched off and closed down completely as a post-fire precaution, although they were reportedly undamaged by the incident. And whilst the cause of the fire isn't yet clear, and and thankfully nobody was injured, it did send shockwaves through the industry when it happened, and it's expected to change the way that data center operators worldwide approach fire suppression. God, that sounds fairly serious. And what sort of impact did the fire have from a consumer point of view? Well, in short, a big one. Now, OVH provides cloud services for 1.6 million customers across 140 different countries. And in terms of the fallout, the fire is believed to have affected several major online services, including uh, the French government's um, online presence, cryptocurrency exchange, Deribit, and the Pompidou Centre in Paris. We know that Russian authorities have blamed problems accessing Google and YouTube on the fire, and they consider that the disruption was due to that incident. Now, for some of the firms affected by the fire, the lack of backup data could be fatal, and this could lead to a liability on the part, uh, sorry, on their part, and subsequently potentially also for the data center provider. Um, OVH itself has come out and said that it's committed to using this incident to develop new industry standards, setting out how best to tackle fires in data centers. And at present, best practice techniques and standards for fire fire detection, suppression and extinguishment in data centers really vary according to the location of the data center itself, but also what type of equipment is deployed in each room. So, Kian, what are the most common types of fire suppression systems? Well, the two most uh, common 
types of fire suppression systems are an inert gas extinguishing system or a water-based fire suppression system and that water-based one could either be a sprinkler or more commonly a water mist system um, whilst being more expensive a gas extinguishing system is seen as the more effective system gas extinguishing system works by discharging an inert gas usually argon or nitrogen but it can sometimes be mixed uh, with with co2 with a concentration required to extinguish a fire so in essence it suffocates the fire by reducing the amount of oxygen in the relevant server room the fire is, de is detected at an early stage by smoke detectors and the discharge for the gas system occurs over a duration of approximately two minutes or 120 seconds and the fire itself is normally extinguished within the first 20 seconds or so and it's a real benefit there usually is no damage to equipment or the facility from the gas release there is no need to switch off the facility such as the power the data the ventilation or the cooling which is a real advantage to the using this system especially in light of the five nines uptime requirement that dan has mentioned but it is a more expensive system it requires additional works, pressure release valves, venting, etc., to be installed. Water systems, on the other hand, are cheaper and they are seen as an attractive way of, of reducing construction costs. When a water-based system is used, it, it requires the heat to be sufficiently large enough to trigger the release of the water, which is usually dispersed, as mentioned, in the form of a fine mist. Normally, the fire must be flaming for this activation to occur. Therefore, there tends to be both fire damage and water damage, albeit it tends to be focused just to, to the local um, or the locality of the fire itself. The purpose of a water mist system, sprinkler system, is to suppress or control the fire and to prevent it from extending to adjacent areas. Thanks for that. And Steve, just going back to the key characteristics you mentioned earlier, and the fourth one was security. What should data centre owners and other stakeholders be considering here? Well, as I mentioned at the outset, there are really two sides to this coin. Firstly, physical security is extremely important. Now, whilst the importance of data center security goes without saying, having ample on-site security is just as crucial. Well-documented methods and procedures play a role in ensuring the multi-level security of facilities by preventing unauthorized access. And that includes making sure that the facility utilizes things like 24 hours, uh, sorry, 24-7 video surveillance, multi-layered access control, reinforced doors and walls, and anything else really that ensures no one is getting in who doesn't need to be. Now, the most secure data centers have ballistic building construction, perimeter protection, adaptable design with secure cabinets or caged environments, and various other multi-tier access control measures, including things such as man traps, key cards, biometrics, 24-7 monitoring of security and video surveillance with adequate archiving. But just as important as the, as the physical security is the virtual security aspect. Now, as data center facilities become more intelligent, the network security threats will multiply. The data center must have six features, and they are resilience, security, privacy, safety, reliability, and availability to prevent attacks and threats from environments and malicious personnel, including network intrusion threats. And what happens if security, physical or virtual, is breached? Now, of course, there may be circumstances where security is breached. And in anticipation of that potentially happening, cyber insurance can play a key part. Cyber insurance is rapidly becoming one of the top priorities for many data centers to increase 
security with with many industry experts agreeing that cyber insurance should be as high of a priority as fire or flood insurance. Now, Aon estimated in 2019 that the total value of cyber insurance premiums would reach $4 billion by 2021, making it the highest growth rate for any type of insurance. And so data center owners and operators should really expedite their search for the best cyber insurance policies in conjunction with their broker. Well, in episode four of this podcast series, we're actually going to explore this issue further with Tom Dryden, a partner at McGill and Partners who specializes in cyber insurance. Kian, one final issue I just wanted to get some more information on um, was about the extent to which scalability is a key driver for, su- for a successful data center. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Scalability is essential in many industries and IT and data centers is no different. In order to be successful, data center providers must provide a flexible infrastructure that has the capability to seamlessly support simple and quick upgrades and sustain a rapid growth in performance. What I mean by that is as a company's demand for use either increases or decreases, the most successful data center providers will be the ones able to react to that change in demand quickly. One such way to achieve this could be through modular systems, which allow a data center to adapt to growth and other changing business conditions, especially those that are unanticipated quickly without major disruptions. So as demand in a certain location increases, modular systems could quickly be deployed to increase the capacity. And conversely, if demand decreases, the modules could be removed and redeployed elsewhere. So in effect, this is more of a key consideration from a point of view of organizations who utilize co-location data centers. Totally. Yes. Any company that is interested in expanding its business, be it now or in the future, should consider who their data center provider is and whether they are able to adapt and handle changes and expansions. Many companies at the moment utilize providers who offer a one-size-fits-all model, and this setup may not fit an organization's potential growth and demands in the future. Therefore, as companies grow and their reliance on data and processing power increases, it is important that their data center provider is flexible so that it can meet that company's current and future requirements. Brilliant. Thanks, both. Well, that is it for this second episode of our Data Center podcast series. My thanks to Steve, Kian and Dan for joining this episode. And my thanks to you for listening. Next time in episode three, we take a closer look at data centers as a mainstream asset class, exploring the underlying business of data centers as our Simmons and Simmons experts provide their thoughts on trends in the market. Until then, goodbye.